Hello and welcome, my faithful and loyal readers and fellow listeners. Welcome to our daily devotional for June the 21st. So if you will recall, our daily devotionals are divided into two different and distinct segments. <coughs> we have our first of the day segment, and we have our through the Bible in one year segment. So our verse for today comes from Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 which says above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So the heart here represents the center of our being, the source of our desires and the source of our decisions. So what we must not allow it to happen, we must not allow anything to come into or flow out of our hearts that is not pleasing to God and helpful for spiritual growth. So we guard, so we have to guard what we watch, we have to guard what we listen to, we have to guard what we read, we have to guard what we think about, we have to guard what we about. So all of these senses are ways that images and ideas can root themselves in our hearts and affect the type of people that we become. What we have to understand is that knowing and following God's purposes involves a firm commitment to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And we all know that comes from Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. So what we should do is if we ever find that our spiritual hunger is for God is decreasing, excuse me, we should rethink our priorities and honestly admit that we have stopped growing and seriously pray for his renewed desire for God and his activity in our lives. So failure to guard our hearts results in a loss of God's blessing and direction and it puts us at risk of being trapped and even destroyed spiritually. So keep a careful watch over our hearts using wisdom about what we see, about what we hear, what we say, and what we do will add strength and stability to our, uh, to our spiritual, to our spiritual lives and keep God's favor on our efforts. And so, what you must read for today is Second Kings chapters 1 and 2, Acts chapter 13 verse 42 through 14 verse 7, Psalm 139 through 24, and Proverbs 17, 19 through 21. So that concludes our first day segment. We are now going to move into our Through the Bible in One Year 
now into day 170 and if you have missed any of these segments you can get caught up with any of them by visiting upstakechristian.com and get men's upstakechristian.com so our focus for today is John chapter 18 verses 1 through 14 so we have just finished Jesus upper room discourse which ended with his great priestly prayer now we move into John's telling of the passion of Jesus so the next two chapters of John's gospel Jesus predicted to the disciples in the upper room. So these events would fulfill Jesus' words that the intense sorrow they will experience. So Jesus' greatness is reflected in the narrative <coughs> as he moved toward the cross with great intentionality and without the slightest fear. So his courage and his bravery were an example to his followers about how to endure the persecution he predicted they would experience. So what we're gonna see here is that there are four major scenes in John's passion story about Jesus. So the first is the events being in a garden on the other side of the Kidron Valley where Jesus arrested. So that's the first scene takes place in the valley. It takes place in a garden on the other side of the Kidron Valley where Jesus is arrested. So the uh, second scene shifts to an interrogation before Annas. Right? the father-in-law of the high priest, Caiaphas. So while Jesus, this scene also includes the fact that while Jesus was interrogated, Peter was denying his relationship to Jesus. So the third scene is the most extensive, and it is Jesus' trial before Pilate. So we see that John does not, John does not choose to describe the trial before Caiaphas, the Sanhedrin, which Matthew, Mark, and Luke decide to do. John instead chooses to focus our attention on the trial before Pilate, because really it was the trial before Pilate that ultimately mattered. The trial before Caiaphas, the high priest, and the Sanhedrin didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because the Sanhedrin and Caiaphas could not put Jesus to death. Only the Roman government under Pilate could do that. And so the fourth and final scene describes Jesus' crucifixion and his burial. So we see that Jesus was lifted up to accomplish the purpose for which he came into the world. 
and John depicts the scriptures being fulfilled in meticulous detail as Jesus hung on the cross. What we must remember is that all of the events that we have been discussing going all the way back to chapter 13. So what we must remember is that all of the events we've been discussing going all the way back to chapter 13 take place over a single 24-hour period. So it all starts at nightfall on Thursday, and it ends at nightfall, or right before nightfall, on Friday, and ultimately it will end completely at dawn on Sunday. <coughs> and so today we're going to be dealing with the first scene in John's passion story of Jesus, which is Jesus' arrest. So we're going to start in chapter 18, verse 1, and we'll go through verse 7 to start off with. And this is what that says. It says, when he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, Jesus knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. So what we see here <coughs> is that Jesus led his disciples east across the Kidron Valley to the western slope of the Mount of Olives. So the Kidron Valley is a riverbed that lies between the Mount of Olives and Jerusalem. So this garden was a place where Jesus had regularly gone to pray. So Judas, who was very much aware of this because Judas was part of Jesus' twelve, knew where to find Jesus. So what we see here is that John Judas to escalate the drama of the arrest by his description of the forces that were arrayed against Jesus. <coughs> so we see the whole of Jesus' enemies. We see Gentiles and both Gentile and Jewish that confronted him. So Jesus demonstrated tremendous bravery here by stepping forward and initiating this confrontation. How many of us would do the same? I would dare say none of us would do the same if we were faced with the same, exact same situation. Here's a group of people that you know darn well are coming to arrest you and you're gonna step 
was an attempt to make sure they focused on him and not on his disciples understanding the reason Jesus asked who is it you want <coughs> he wanted to make absolutely sure that they were only coming for him and not for his disciples So what that shows us that even in this dark moment, Jesus was demonstrating himself to be the good shepherd who was protecting his sheep as a shepherd ought to do. So we see that John portrays Jesus as being complete and utter total control of this situation. And as you see, his enemies fell to the ground as he identified himself. Well, it may seem, it seems improbable that they were merely startled to tumble over one another in a domino effect. So that's not what happened. They weren't just startled. And they fell over each other in a domino effect. Instead, instead, what John makes absolutely abundantly clear that happened here <coughs> is that they drew back and fell to the ground. So in other words, something dramatic and dynamic happened when Jesus identified himself using the divine name, I am he. When he used again that divine phrase, I am, that God first used to identify himself to Moses all the way back in the book of Exodus. So all, in all the commotion taking place, what we see is that Jesus continued to protect his disciples. So we're going to pick up in verse 8 and go through verse 11 now, <coughs> which says, Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men Go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. <coughs> and Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink? the cup the Father has given me. So again, we see that Jesus demanded that his disciples be permitted to leave. If they leave his disciples alone, come for me, take me. Because they ain't done nothing yet. They're going to do something eventually, but they ain't done nothing yet. So as the good shepherd, Jesus again stood between his disciples and their enemies offering himself in their place. And his actions fulfilled his earlier promise that he would not lose one of his disciples except for the one that had already been lost, and that would be Judas Iscariot. <coughs> so we then see as Peter drawing out his sword and cutting off Malchus's right ear. So we see here that at least at this point in time, 
ready to fight and defend in Jesus by any means possible, except for the right means, as we're gonna see tomorrow when we deal with Peter's denial of Jesus. So what we're gonna see is that after Peter taught us this, Jesus rebukes him. And the words that Jesus spoke, even in this moment, reveal Jesus' intention to accomplish his mission. Because you see, Jesus will allow nothing to stop him from drinking the cup of God's wrath as he bore the punishment for the world's sin. And you see, that's the only way that we could ever be set free from our sin is if Jesus drank the cup of wrath that God was ready to pour out when we commit all of our sins. <coughs> and so now we're going to finish this up by looking at verses 12 through 14, which says then the detachment of soldiers with, it, with its commander <coughs> and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. So what we see here that John's Gospel is the only gospel to describe Jesus being taken to the home of Annas for a preliminary interrogation. So what we need to know about Annas is he was a former high priest, and that he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the current high priest. So let's talk a little bit about former and current. So according to Jewish law, the high priest was supposed to be high priest for life, but the Romans liked to appoint a high priest for only a year. So Annas was technically still the high priest according to Mosaic law, while Caiaphas was the high priest in the eyes of the occupying Roman government. So what we need to know about this is that bringing Jesus to Annas first, it may have been a way for Caiaphas to show a difference to his father-in-law, who was the high priest under the law. Because he wasn't dead yet, the high priest was high priest until he died, and then his son, his eldest son, took over as high priest in place of his father. Or it may have been done to allow Caiaphas time to gather together for together together the Sanhedrin for a nighttime trial nighttime and highly illegal trial. Since according to Jewish law you couldn't try somebody at night. It had to be tried during the day. So in the following verse, in the verses that are to come, which is going to be what we see in 15 through 27, 
John alternates between the events inside Anderson's home and those outside in the courtyard. So this alternating focus from Anderson Jesus to Peter and his interrogators is going to highlight the vast difference between Jesus and Peter. For you see, while Jesus confessed his true identity before his enemies, right? Peter denied his relationship to Jesus before Jesus' enemies. And we're going to pick up with that train of thought tomorrow as we move into the second scene in John's passion story of Jesus. And in order for you to be prepared to do that, you need to read Second Kings chapter 3 verse 1 through chapter 4 verse 17, Acts chapter 14 verses 8 through 28, Psalm 141 through 13, and Proverbs 17, 22.